teach them product knowledge over the first year, whatever they need to know, but don't try to cram it all into the first week or else guess what? Reps are going to go blurt out everything they know about the product as soon as they get on the phone with a customer and customers don't care about your product. Customer cares about themselves. Welcome to the State of Sales Enablement Podcast with your host, Felix Kruger. Insights and actionable advice from B2B marketing and sales experts that share what it takes to achieve sales enablement excellence. The translation of a strategy into daily behaviors makes or breaks go-to-market success. Our guest in this week's episode is a master translator who creates strong feedback loops between SDR teams and senior executive leadership. Please welcome the founder, sales coach, and podcast host of The Sales Lift, Tyler Lindley. Tyler, welcome to the State of Sales Enablement podcast. Great to have you. Hey, thanks for having me, Felix. I'm happy to be on. Where are you dialing in from today? I am located in beautiful Atlanta, Georgia, so the southeast of the United States. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. A great place for a peach iced tea, I was told. <laughs> Yeah, everything here is peach. There's a lot of roads named peach trees. So yeah, right. you'll know when you start seeing peaches, you're in this neck of the woods. So <laughs> That's right. So who is Tyler Lindley? Tell us. Yeah, yeah, it's a great question. So I am a sales coach and I help a lot of teams really with their strategy and with coaching. I work with a lot of technology and software companies and I really have two jobs. My day job, I work at a startup out of San Francisco called Vendition, where we help sales development teams basically onboard and train their SDRs in the first 90 days of their role. And then I have a podcast and a sales consultancy called The Sales Lift, where I do a lot of strategy and coaching for a lot of startup software and technology companies really looking to grow their sales. So, so yeah, I've got a, a lot of different hats that I wear. I'm also a dad, a husband. I love college football. I love music. I'm a lot of things, but those are some of the things I'm passionate about. Awesome. Awesome. I always love it when people do multiple things in the discipline that they're operating in. And it seems like you're really deeply integrated into the whole B2B sales space. We'll delve deeper into those aspects of your different gigs later on. Perfect. But the reason why I'm really interested in talking to you, not only because I'm a big fan of your podcast, but also because you're really hands-on in terms of the way you develop a strategy, you coach SDRs and you actually make things happen in order to generate business results with your clients. So when you think about the typical way strategy is developed in a sales context, typically you have a bunch of executives or leaders locking themselves in a room, <laughs> pulling out a whiteboard, drawing some crazy graphs, <laughs> bunch of sticky notes, and then you have the great vision of where sales is going to head for the year. And then on the other hand, you have the sales team and the reality of having to pick up the phone every day, dealing with clients that seem to be interested, but then ghost you all of a sudden. It's a hard cold reality. And in those kind of situations, sales reps tend to fall back to what they are comfortable with and what they know is working. So how do you as a sales leader actually relate back the strategy that has been developed to the day-to-day -day of the sales team? And how do you actually change behaviors in the sales team to make those strategies happen? Mm. Yeah, this is a great question, and I'm glad you asked it. To me, it does start at the top, right? It starts with that executive leadership team. It starts with the VP of sales, the CRO, whoever is the sales leader in your organization. They are the tone setter. 
and they can be in that room drawing on the whiteboard and creating that strategy, but that strategy is only as good enough as it's being implemented by the sales team. So to me, I think strategy is extremely important and, and everybody should start there thinking about how should we be doing this? What should we be doing? How should we be doing it? What should this look like? Who should be involved, right? Asking all those great questions. And then from there, the strategy to me is only half of the uh, winning equation. To me, it's the combination of strategy and coaching where I really see sales teams win. And that's where I try to find myself working a lot is kind of in the intersection of those two things. Because what starts with strategy at the executive level, or whether you're working with an outsourced resource, or you've got a new hire that's come in to that new VP of sales who's driving the strategy, that's all great, but it's only as good as it's being implemented by the team. And how does that strategy end up in the day-to-day -day of your reps and what they're doing? That's where, to me, coaching comes into play. Coaching is all about the actual implementation of the strategy. It's about holding people accountable to the strategy. It's about what does that day-to-day -day actually look like, whether it's that phone call script, right? What is that SDR saying in the first 15 seconds of a cold call? Or what do our proposals look like, right? At the end of the process and everything in between, that strategy has to be coached and it has to be developed. And you've got to nurture those reps over time. I see a lot of companies just focusing on one or the other. They just focus on the strategy piece. They've got great strategy. The team does it for a little while. The next thing you know, they get tired of doing it that way and they fall back into whatever they were doing before, whatever those old habits were. Or a company only comes in and says, we're going to do training and coaching, right? They bring in a trainer, bring in a coaching, do a very short program. Again, all those ideas are fresh top of mind. They implement them. And then all of a sudden, a few weeks later, a few months later, those things are just falling to the wayside. To me, it's the combination of strategy and coaching where the magic happens because you have the detailed strategy that's driving those decisions and you have the coaching that implementation and alignment and accountability of your teams over time, because not everybody's going to pick up that strategy right off the bat. So you need that ongoing coaching to make sure that reps are understanding what you meant by the strategy and you're holding them accountable to improving and actually implementing that new process. So that's a little bit about what I believe and how I try to help sales teams for sure. I hear a lot of things that sound very familiar to me. I think those point solutions to point problems. That's a very common trap that people fall into, not considering the big picture. And as you said, the coaching part is also something that's often neglected in the strategy side of things. I think there's a translation issue mm. between developing the strategy and then actually setting the sales reps up for success and actually making sure that it is being implemented. I think just communicating the strategy to the broader sales floor it's basically just <laughs> shooting out a message out in the universe and hoping for the best and for everybody to pick it up straight away and implementing it straight away. That is never going to happen. I think sales is such an incredibly complex system that there's so much room for mistake. And I think by implementing coaching, as you said, you are able to control as many parts of this incredibly complex system as you can. And I think those relying on those random acts of enablement and just letting <laughs> reps do their thing just hoping that they adapt their behavior, that is never going to happen. Yeah. And there's not a single example, I think, in history of things happening that way. Exactly. Yeah, I totally agree. I love that you say random acts of enablement, right? Because I think that's what a lot of people think of when they think of training or enablement or, or consultant, right? We're going to come in, but it's totally random. We're coming to solve one problem. But like, I think that you need to be taking a deeper dive, a deeper look into actually what's going on. Why are these things happening? Why are we not seeing the results that we're looking for? What are those initial changes that we're going to make? 
And then how are we going to continue to hold ourselves accountable to those changes? What are we going to enable the frontline sales managers to do to coach and train those reps on an ongoing basis? Because to me, coaching and training is not a one-time thing. It's not at sales kickoff. It's not a once a quarter type thing. It's an everyday type thing. And I think so few sales leaders make enough time for coaching their reps and their teams that it just becomes an afterthought. Especially, I work with a lot of newer reps. These reps need a lot of coaching, a lot of handholding. They need a strong foundation. And that foundation is built during onboarding, but you really nurture that over time. It's continued coaching, continued development, continually giving them resources and access to that type of coaching so that they can work on improving. Otherwise, like you said, they're gonna wing it, they're gonna do their own thing. And next thing you know, no one's actually running that strategy that you created initially, which again, what's the point? To me, strategy without coaching and coaching without strategy, you're only getting half of the equation right. When you do both, I think that's when you can create a lasting plan that gets you results over time. Yeah, yeah. From your experience, are sales, frontline sales managers equipped with the tools to be coaching effectively? Do they understand what coaching is all about? Most frontline sales managers were the top sales rep. And so the top sales rep typically sometimes is a lone wolf. We like to think every top sales rep is a challenger seller, but some of them are just lone wolves and just do it their own way. They might do it brute force, just like they outwork everybody, or maybe they just have their own unique style that's hard to replicate. Now, it's hard for them to go into a mode of like, well, now I'm not going to be successful myself, but I'm going to have success through my team. That's a hard transition in and of itself. And there's a huge gap in us enabling those frontline sales managers and how to be coaches, how to be managers, how to be people that train and coach and care about the development of their team. Because not every top rep is going to necessarily make a great coach, but we almost just instinctively assume, well, they know how to sell it themselves. So of course they'll know how to manage the team. Those are honestly, as we both know, like two different skill sets. That's right. I guess I would caution teams, maybe your top sales rep shouldn't be the manager or the coach on the team. It doesn't mean they can't be, but you got to make sure you enable them with the right tools and resources of how they should manage, how they should coach, because how well they do that and how they can see success through others is going to really dictate whether or not they're a successful manager. And I've seen it crash and burn a lot of times where there's just not that support system around that new frontline manager. It always amazes me that that mistake is still being made. I think it's almost become this meme mm -hmm. that in the sales community, the best sales rep is not necessarily the best manager. Yep. It is funny. And I think we just have to do more to enable the managers, whether you're promoting the top rep, whether you're bringing someone in from the outside, the frontline sales manager role, I feel like is one of the most thankless roles in sales. And it's one in which we don't empower those people to be successful where they need the most help and the most coaching. Because if you're going to depend on them to coach your reps and to hold the team accountable and to, to, to get that vision from the top out to the masses, it's an extremely important role. And that communication flows both ways from the reps through the manager back to the top and vice versa. And what are we doing to empower those frontline managers? I just feel like it's such a gap and more teams should be giving more resources to those managers. I like what you're saying about the things flowing two ways. You've got the information about the go-to-market strategy flowing from senior leadership down to the reps, and then you have the information on the market flowing back to the senior leadership. Do you think that feedback loop is designed effectively from what you see? Is there a lot of information being passed on from the reps to senior leadership? 
I think it happens sometimes. I think it depends on the level of trust. What is the level of trust between the rep and the manager and between the manager and the senior leader? Those need to be relationships built on trust. When I was a rep, if I didn't trust my manager, <laughs> I wouldn't be as engaged in my job. I wouldn't tell them things personal, like things that I'm going through. I just, I wouldn't be as upfront, right? And I think it works the same way when I was a manager to the VP level or to the senior, the executive level, if I didn't feel that level of trust from them and you had that strong relationship built in the fact that we can be honest with each other, same kind of thing. So I think it starts with, do you have strong relationships between the manager and the reps and also between the manager and the senior leaders? Because if any of those relationships are somewhat weak, I think that that communication flow really starts to break down. And that's honestly one of the most important things for senior leaders to learn is like, what are we hearing? What are we hearing on the phones? And I guess you could record every gong call, but nobody's listening to every recording out there, right? I've, how many gong recordings go unlistened to? I feel like 98% of call recordings are just recorded, but they're not actioned on. So bottom line is when we hear consistent things over and over again, we need to be bubbling those things up. And those are the conversations that should be going from the rep to the manager to the executive level. And then that should be helping to dictate and maybe adjust that strategy some. As we know, things change and you want to take into account new information that you're getting. But if that trust is weak, maybe that information is not flowing as smoothly as it needs to be. Yeah, I agree. I think it's not done with creating a word cloud out of gong recordings that doesn't <laughs> give you the crucial information you need to uh, be competing in market. Which I love gong. I love gong. I love chorus. I think they're all great tools. But like, are we using those tools to effectively coach? Are we using those tools to be better managers? Are we using those tools to have information flow more smoothly? I don't know. I feel like we use those tools almost as just like we're watching, like make sure you're on your best behavior. It almost creates a culture of just like, that versus like, are we actioning the material from Gong? Are we creating libraries, playbooks, and information that is flowing in both directions that can really help us improve the business? I think some people do that well. I think a lot of others are just wasting their money, honestly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think what you're saying about relationships being really crucial for that communication to happen, absolutely agree. I think some businesses are good at creating formal structures to source that feedback, like through regular surveys and by doing win-loss analysis and those kinds of things, but they're not good at the relationship side of things. But if you then look at companies not having those structures in place, those that have really strong relationships internally and a really collaborative information sharing culture, they would always outpace those who have those structures in place, but aren't that strong on the relationship side of things. I agree. I've been sent a lot of surveys in my time as a sales rep and my willingness to be honest in the survey and really be upfront is partly probably built on that. Do I trust the environment that I in? Is this a foundation of trust from the top all the way down? And if it is, I'm much more likely to be honest. And probably that survey is not the first time they've heard these things. Whereas if it just feels like that's a check the box kind of thing, I might just put threes or fives or ones across the board and then move on with my day. Even those structured feedback loops start with a foundation of trust. And you brought up a good word there, collaboration. Like, are the senior leaders actually collaborating with the managers, with the reps? Is their communication flowing? Are there forums in which reps can talk to those senior leaders and understand the vision and the changes and the strategy? Because if that's not happening, then there's probably a lot of other conversations happening otherwise that maybe aren't as productive and as healthy for the organization as a whole. I want to get a bit more tactical here and really talk about some of the actionable things that sales leaders can do to 
translate their go-to-market strategy into the day-to-day and also to set their sales reps up for success. Onboarding is obviously always a hot topic, especially in sales enablement. And when we talk about coaching being crucial in developing sales reps and actually creating capability and translating that go-to-market strategy into action, onboarding is obviously also a big part of that in making sure that You've hired the right person. Now, how do you set that person up for success as quickly as possible? So from your experience, how do you design an effective onboarding program and what do successful onboarding programs have in common from your point of view? Yeah, to me, onboarding is so important. It is the first impression on both sides. I wrote about this earlier today. It's a rep's first impression to give to the company. It's also the company's first impression to give to the rep. And it's where a lot of that foundation of trust and collaboration and communication can start. So to me, successful onboarding starts with communicating, communicating what are those overarching goals and themes? Why are we here? I love starting with why, because it can ground everyone in like, what is that rallying cry? You know, and it's more than just hopefully things on the wall and words on the website, but it's like, there's a real mission here. Initially with onboarding, to me, it's effective. You can get everyone bought in on the mission. How did we get here? What problem are we solving? Why do we do this? How do we impact our customers? Tell your reps that story. Your reps should be so fired up that they're ready to run through the wall. It's like the football coach at the beginning of the football game, right before the game, it's the pregame speech. They should be ready to run through the brick wall for you and your company and be so excited and jazzed up to talk to your prospects and tell them the good news of everything that you're doing to help them. So I think it starts with that creating that kind of energy and enthusiasm around the company, the mission, the why, what are we doing here? And then from there, it's all about, to me, it depends on what role are we training? I work with a lot of sales development roles. There's this common myth that we need a ton of product knowledge in order to be an SDR. When all we're doing is starting conversations, we're just starting conversations with people. So my thing is like, think about the outcomes and the goals of whatever role you're training. And then how can we get those people to those things fast as possible? So for SDRs, let's do a little bit of product knowledge. They need to know enough to be dangerous, but let's teach them more how to be creative, how to be empathetic, how to have enthusiasm and confidence and energy. How do I open a cold call? How do I start that email? So I think get them up to speed on those skills first and continue the product knowledge as they go along. Whereas if you got a sales engineer or an AE who needs to know more product knowledge, definitely like put more of that in at the beginning. But I feel like So many times we just are running this standard stock onboarding where it's like company intro here, product knowledge for a week, sales training for a couple days on the phones, where it's just the standard when, as we know, it can't be that stock. Every role is different and everybody doesn't need to know everything about the product. So I wish we would cut out 90% of the product knowledge and onboarding and focus on the deliverables and the soft skills and the things that are going to get that rep up to speed faster. Teach them product knowledge over the first year, whatever they need to know, but don't try to cram it all into the first week or else guess what? Reps are going to go blurt out everything they know about the product as soon as they get on the phone with a customer and customers don't care about your product. Customer cares about themselves. So I want us to be focused on our prospects, their problems. Let's teach reps about that and let's teach them product knowledge as they go. I always tell reps like, I don't know is an okay answer. Somebody else on my team does. But if we teach everybody the product knowledge first, They'll all just be product experts. And that's all they'll talk about is the product and it'll turn into a features and benefits sales. I wish that onboarding was just kind of restructured to consider that fact. 
Because I see so many companies just focusing so much on the product knowledge. Yeah, absolutely. I think from my experience, that's something that, and I don't blame them at all, but it's particularly something that junior salespeople are guilty of yep. because they don't have the experience. They are not as self-confident in speaking, especially to a senior prospects. And if you're not that self-confident, you hold on to what you feel secure in and yep. what provides you some sort of base to work from. And if you make that base product information, that's what those junior sales reps will hold on to. And I think that's one of the big mistakes that I see being made. Yeah, I totally agree. Product knowledge is important. Don't get me wrong. I just think we need to like factor it in at the right time of a rep's progression, considering how much product knowledge do they need at certain intervals. And then let's focus on the, to me, it's the soft skills. Focus on the tonality. Focus on them personalizing communication to their prospects. How do you follow up? How do you write a proposal? All those important things that get us to closing a deal and get us moving deals to the pipeline. That's the focus. Product knowledge is a small portion of that. So let's like give it the right amount of space in that first 30, 60, 90 days. So when we think about the two ends of the spectrum of an onboarding program, you know, one end of the spectrum being everything being systemized, everything being documented in a playbook and every rep essentially being expected to just go through checklists and exactly doing the things that the company has defined versus the other end of the spectrum, the company letting the rep just do the things that they know work for them. How do you think a company can strike a balance between the two? And what's from your point of view, the sweet spot? Yeah, I think the sweet spot is somewhere in the middle. To me, playbooks, scripts, templates, I think those are all great things to have because it provides the rep kind of a foundation. It provides them with something versus us just saying, all right, you know enough to be dangerous. Now go and create everything you need to and taking nothing into account, all these people who've been here for years already know. Like, I think that it's somewhere in the middle because that foundation allows the rep to ramp faster. It allows the company to see ROI from that rep faster. And then here's the thing, we have to give the rep freedom and flexibility to make those things their own, okay? This is a call script. This is what we recommend. Use it as a framework, but we want you to make it your own. Give the rep the opportunity to do that. Same thing with emails, same thing with proposals or whatever we're doing in the, throughout the process. We didn't hire these reps. One of my buddies once told me like, you got hired for a reason. They trust you, right? They trust that rep. So don't just like shove them in the corner and say, run this playbook. Allow them to get involved in the process and question things and then actually bring their own ideas and spin to the table because they might have a better way that they learn somewhere else and we have to trust people. So again, it's kind of back to that collaborative environment that we want to create. I think that's really important. We have to allow the reps enough flexibility, I think a strong foundation, but then flexibility to kind of make that foundation their own and put their own spin on it. And then let's tactfully steal the best things that we learned from that rep and try to put that in the playbook. And back and forth we go. Every new rep that we onboard, we should be learning and adding something to the playbook and they should be making the organization better from a sales perspective. But we can only do that if we give them the freedom and flexibility to actually get involved on their own. So it is somewhere in the middle. I think which end of the spectrum probably depends on your company and a lot of different factors. But I think so many times it's either one or the other where here's the playbook, run this, we know this, this is proven, or we don't have a playbook, you're on your own, figure it out. To me, it's got to be somewhere in the middle because it gets reps ramped it faster and then it also allows them to get involved too. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Sounds to me like almost if you give your sales reps the freedom to do some things on their own and to try new things, it's almost like you're running a whole little experiments 
to see actually what works out in market, right? And I think it's probably the only way you can innovate and find new things that work for your business, right? I totally agree. Sales is one big A-B test. Like that's all <laughs> we're doing is like A-B testing a million different variables. To me, the rep that's scary is the one who thinks they already know everything because you can't win sales. Sales is like golf. You can't win sales. You can only hope to get better. And how do you get better? You try one liner little change here, a little A-B test. Now I figure out this way is a little bit more effective. I'm going to run there. And you do that over and over and over again. You iterate on the individual level, on the team level, at the management level. It's all a big A-B test to try to figure out how can we improve? Let's be a little bit better than we were yesterday. And speaking of A-B testing and innovation, you're obviously really heavily focused on the sales development side of things and prospecting. What are some of the things you've seen, especially in the American market, work really well in terms of new approaches to prospecting? Like what sort of creative ways of prospecting have you come across and have you seen working for yourself and for your clients? Yeah, you just said it yourself, creativity. I work with a lot of brand new SDRs and there is a fear to bring themselves or any type of new idea or creativity into the sales process. To me, like we have to learn how to teach our reps to pattern interrupt. Because if we all use the same tools with a similar playbook and then all the conversations sound the same, our prospects are just hearing wah, 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 and they're tuning out everything. So how can I, as a sales leader, enable my reps to be creative? Creatively start this conversation with a prospect. Don't just halfway personalize. I tell reps, there's no halfway personalizing anything. You're either going all the way or not at all. I either want it to be an automated template that you don't touch or I want it to be so personalized that this could only be sent to this individual in the world. So I think we have to give our reps the freedom to be creative because that's what's going to stand out to me in sales. And I think it's a skill that is, I don't know, it's just lost. I think reps are nervous to be creative. And I think companies are scared for reps to be too creative. I think everybody's scared of stepping outside the lines when to me, that's what drives action. Something's different. Like what's your differentiator as a company and as a sales rep? How are you going to make this message different? And I think that to me is what's key. And you can do it in a variety of ways. Video, LinkedIn, having your own podcast, right? That's something I did. That's something you did. But like, think outside the box. Like, what can I do to be creative and put a new message in a new way in front of my prospect so that I can start a conversation? At the end of the day, that's all we do in sales is we start conversations and then we just ask good questions to see if somebody might be in the buying window. If they're not, that's fine. Move on. But the goal is to start as many of those conversations as possible, especially at the top of the funnel. Sales development teams, SDRs, you start conversations. So you better get damn good at starting conversations or you're not going to be in a job too long. So be creative, use all the tools that you have available to you, and then think outside the box. What can I do that's different than all the other 100 SDRs reaching out to this prospect right now? Tyler, I could keep on going on like this for hours, but unfortunately <laughs> we're running out of time. So if people want to uh, learn more about your approach, your business, and might want to continue the conversation with you, where can they find you online? For sure. Yeah. Best place to reach me would either be LinkedIn. You can search me. I'm Tyler Lindley Sales Coach. So that's Tyler, T-Y-L-E-R, Lindley, L-I-N-D-L-E-Y. So I'm the sales coach based in Atlanta, Georgia. Or my website is thesaleslift.com. That's the T-H-E, sales, S-A-L-E-S, lift, L-I-F-T, dot com. And then you can get in touch with me there as well. Awesome. Thank you so much, Tyler. 
All the best from Sydney to Atlanta. I had a blast and I hope I speak to you soon. Yeah, well, and I think you're coming on my podcast too. So we're going to do kind of a swap here. So definitely check out the Sales Lift podcast. Felix is hopping on. So check out that episode if you want to hear more from me and Felix. Looking forward to it. All right. Thank you, Tyler. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Next time on The State of Sales Enablement. People get all excited about sales enablement. They want to launch that function within the business, but then they try to do too much. So moving fast on the sales enablement front is crucial to capture the moment and really make the strategic decisions that really have an impact 